Hey everyone, welcome to the How To Gurus, a podcast with honest conversations from everyday people about how to do this thing called life. Boy, do we have an episode for you to listen to today. This is episode 14. I am your host, Tiffany, and on this episode, you are going to hear me interview one of my longtime friends, Amy. My other host, Craig, does not join us for this episode, but tune in on Friday because he and I will have a bonus banter episode about my interview with Amy, where he has listened to the episode and he and I will discuss things from his perspective. But my friend Amy and I go way back to high school, as you will hear in the episode, and I want to just add a sweet little memo a little uh, story about Amy and her husband, Adam. So Amy and Adam and I, we all went to high school together and Amy and Adam did not date in high school. And I don't even know that they really ran in the same circles of friends, but at our 10 year high school reunion, they reconnected and that is when they started dating. And just a few months later, they got married and not too long after that, they started their family with their beautiful girls. And I just think that's such a fun story and such a sweet story that we went, we're from a small town. We went to a small high school. Everybody knew everybody pretty much. And they like went their separate ways through college and young adult years. And then in their late twenties reconnected and started this beautiful life together. And what you're going to hear from Amy is a challenge that was thrown into that beautiful life. And the beautiful way that Amy and Adam handle it with their sweet girls, Layla and Lindley. So listen along, enjoy the story. I hope that you will share this show with a friend because it is powerful. Just how we can encourage one another, how our stories matter and share the show with a friend. If you do not subscribe to our podcast on your podcast listening app, please go subscribe so that new episodes will just drop right into your app each week. So you can give those a listen. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We're the how to gurus on Instagram. We are the how to gurus podcast. So leave us a comment if your podcasting app allows that. Give us a five-star rating. We sure appreciate that. We appreciate all the support that we are continually receiving over this podcast. And thank y'all so much for that. Now on to the show with Amy. Welcome, Amy. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's so I'm so great. excited to be here. I'm so happy that you're here. It's so great that you said yes, not that, you know, being recorded and being put on the air is not for everybody, but I know my friend Amy and I knew that this would be something that you might be willing to do. So I was really glad that you said yes, because you have a really cool story that everybody needs to hear. So welcome. So for the listener, Amy and I go way back. We have been friends since high school, right? Did we meet freshman year? Um, I think so. I was think it, so too. Yeah, I think it was freshman year. Yeah. Okay. Because I kind of remember, I'm like, was it eighth grade? Did we go to middle school together? Because yeah, I, I went to, I started uh, Manchester School Systems um, in freshman year of high school. Okay. So, well, then that is yeah. when we met. And I could not even tell you like specifically how we met. I'm sure we just had class together Probably. or something. And you and I just established a friendship and went to church together and just did life together as teenagers were on yearbook staff together in high school. And then because I got married really young, 
um, like right after high school, you were in my wedding. You were one of my bridesmaids. Yeah. So we go way back. And now that we're adults and we don't live in the same area, you have your life. I have my life and we see each other on Facebook (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) as life tends to go as life tends to go. So thank you again for taking your time and being generous with us and coming on here. Why don't you tell the listener a little bit about Amy? So I am a homeschooling mom full-time to a 10 and 12-year-old, Lindley and Layla. We live in Florida now. We moved here six years ago. Um, My husband transferred down here to the VA hospital as a nurse. So I've just pretty much dive into my kids and spend every moment with them that I can and hopes that one day they'll want to come back. (laughs) They will. They will. Especially if you keep living in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Full-time mom. Yeah. 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 We pretty much just do everything our kids want to do. You know, we go to the beach, they do martial arts, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we feel like it's super important to uh, nurture our kids and, and like give them the best childhood possible and um, spend as much time as a family together. And moving here to Florida really helped us do that. Because um, we can be outside all the time and doing activities that we all love. Yes. Um, so yeah, so we are we are definitely living the dream and we feel very, very lucky. <laughs> I love that about you. I remember when y'all moved there, I'm like, like you're moving to live on the beach and you're like, yeah, like the condo you rent when you go to the beach, I'm living in one of those. And I'm like, okay, that's the life that I could totally get on board with because the beach is my favorite place. I yeah. love it so yeah. much. Yeah. The and Craig and I actually favorite. talk about it, like moving there someday. Oh, it's amazing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, we, I think Adam and I both think that the beach really put your life into perspective because we feel like when we sit on the beach, it makes us feel very small. Mm. Um, and we are so focused on the beauty of the beach and the sound of the waves and the fun that we're having that we kind of put all of those stressors and worries that we have every day behind us. Yeah. So some of our saying is like, we ride our worries in the sand and just let the tide take them away. Aww. And really like helped us mentally and physically, you know, be better parents Um, and given, you know, absolutely given the kids such a great, you know, growing beach. I mean, really, I would love to go to the beach. (laughs) What a fun life you are providing for them. And you are a good mom and you and Adam are great parents. So thank you for sharing a little bit about that. So the reason that I asked you to be on here, it does have to do with your family. You have um, a special story about um, a situation you went through and go through, walk through with your daughter. So I'm turning the mic over to you, Amy. Let's hear a little bit about your story with Layla. Okay. Um, So Layla was my firstborn. I guess I'll just start from the very beginning. She started growing at about 12 months old. Um, She wasn't growing. She wasn't thriving. She wasn't um, walking or talking, just normal things. So we went to the doctors. They told us a few different things. The first time was a growth hormone deficiency um, is what they thought she had. And then they told us she had an iron deficiency, put her on iron supplements. That didn't work. Then they told us she had a vitamin D deficiency. That didn't work. So this was over the course of about four months, I guess. Um, And she just, she was not thriving. Like she still just wasn't, you could tell it just wasn't Layla. Something just wasn't quite right. And I just started researching online, you know, thinking about her symptoms and kind of what she was doing, like, you know, the things that she wasn't doing and then the things that she, that 
I guess the symptoms that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of her symptoms led me to type one diabetes, which mm-hmm. I had really never heard of. Honestly, I'd heard yeah. of type two, but definitely not type one, especially in a kid that young. So I kind of pushed it off a little bit. I was um, pregnant with my second daughter and she just kept getting worse. I mean, she was, she was so miserable and she started peeing a lot and drinking a lot, um, sleeping a lot, just a lot. I mean, she literally had every symptom of type one diabetes. Wow. And what a stressor for a mom that no doctor can help you. Yes, because I felt like they kept telling me, this will help, this will help, this will help. And we even visited an endocrinologist. Oh, wow. And and they did one glucose check and just one single glucose check. They never did an A1C, which is what they should have done, because if they would have done that, that would have given our average glucose over three months. Mm -hmm. And we could have seen that that was probably elevated at that point. Oh, wow. Um, So uh, we took a beach trip. Uh, she, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Uh, um, we came home and she had an infection. So I took her to the doctor. This was literally the day before she was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I took her to the doctor and said, she has this infection in her bottom area. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, what has she been doing? And I said, well, we just came back from the beach. And he said, oh, it's got to be a bacterial infection from a pool. So mm-hmm. he gave me medication for that. Come to find out that was actually a yeast infection from all the sugar that was in her urine. Oh my goodness. So that was her pediatrician. So the next day I took her to the flea market by myself. Adam was gone with the military. He was doing some training um, out of state. So I was by myself. We had a molasses cookie at Mm -hmm. the at the flea market, we came home and her head was bobbing around oh. and she was pretty much incoherent. And I didn't really know what to do at that point. I was six months pregnant. It's scared, yeah. like super scared. And how old um, was she at this point? She was 17 months old. Okay. Oh my goodness. So we had a glucometer in the closet because when I was pregnant with her, they thought I was having issues with my glucose, which it was not. It was actually my blood pressure. Mm. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to check because yeah. I just keep thinking that this is what this is. And and no one's agreeing with me. So I check and uh, the meter just said high. So at that point, I knew that her glucose was over 500. And what's it so, supposed to be? Um, 80 to 120. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I immediately started packing bags and mm-hmm. calling Adam, trying to get a hold of him. Um, I told him what was going on. He said, you need to get her to the emergency room like now. And I was mm-hmm. saying, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm yeah. packing a bag because I'm pretty sure we're going to stay. So I take her to the Knoxville Children's Hospital, walk in and told the staff what was going on, you know, and that um, her glucose was elevated. Mm-hmm. They pushed me off and mm-hmm. said, just have a seat in the waiting room. So I waited for 45 minutes in the oh. waiting room. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> she's still basically incoherent at this point. She was, she was not well. Yeah. And so they, um, I think they kind of thought I was just a hormonal pregnant lady because I was six <laughs> months pregnant. You were obviously and pregnant. Yeah. So I was like sweating and huffing and mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And so anyway, so we finally get back and the nurse there was like, you know, what's going on? So I tell her the same thing and she's like, okay. 
well, it'll be okay, honey. Let's just see what's going on. And then she checks mm-hmm. Layla's sugar. And when she read what it said, I will never forget the, her face. Her eyes were so huge. And she just kind of looked at me and I was like, yeah, that's why I brought her here. Yeah. Something's <laughs> not right. <laughs> like her, you know, sugar level is a critical level. So she grabs the phone on the wall. She's trying to get a bunch of staff in there, mm-hmm. trying to get the doctor in there. They were trying to get uh, fluids in her system because she was severely dehydrated due to all the sugar that was going on in her system. Mm-hmm. So the doctor came in probably about an hour after we went back and said, I'm sorry to tell you this. Yeah. yeah. She has type one diabetes. Yeah. Which is a yeah. lifelong diagnosis. Yes. <laughs> did you know that at that moment? Yes, mm-hmm. I did, but I didn't know everything that it entailed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I knew, I knew what that meant, but really didn't know what that no. meant as far as like how much work it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so he, he told me, he said, um, if you would not have brought her in when you did, which was a Saturday, he said, if you would have waited till Monday, she would no longer be here. She wow. was 17 months old. She wore six to nine month clothing. Um, and she weighed 15 pounds because oh her body God. was literally eating itself to stay mm-hmm. alive mm-hmm. at that point. So we were in the hospital for a week. Red Cross had to be called so that we could get my husband mm-hmm. home from the military. And um, they had to teach us how to take care of her and also get her stabilized yeah. um, at the same time. So the day after she was actually diagnosed, um, her pediatrician walked in to the hospital room and I just kind of looked at him. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've had this conversation. <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, I don't really know what to say. And I said, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so that started our journey. Um, like I said, we were little for a week learning how to take care of her, learning how to give shots, learning how to test glucose levels, um, Mm -hmm. carb counting, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that was, uh, that was for a a baby. Yes. Yes. And so it's not very typical for her age to be Mm -hmm. diagnosed. And I think that's why they pushed it off as long as I did and didn't really think that's what it was because it's very atypical. So, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's where our type one life started. Yeah. yeah. Explain a little bit about what type one is like, what is it that her body does not do? So type one has an autoimmune disease and basically the insulin producing cells on her pancreas, uh, don't work because her body attacked those cells Okay. Um, and they will never work again. That's just the way it is. There's um, just no cure. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And this is not something that you do to yourself or can prevent type one diabetes is something that you're born with and it comes out when it comes out. Correct. They think there's triggers, you know, sometimes they don't know the the exact science behind it, but they do believe that there are triggers that can, if it's dorm, it's kind of dormant in your system. Maybe you have like a a sickness like COVID, like, so there's been an uptick in uh, diagnosis of type one children because of COVID. Wow. Um, Okay. When your system goes into overdrive and and you're kind of already teetering on that, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of just pushes that forward. So she did have a reaction to the MMR vaccine Mm -hmm. uh, that she had when she was a baby. Um, And so we don't know if that's what triggered it. That's the only thing we can come up with, unless it was just in her system. You don't have to be triggered to have type one. Right. But 
that, but that really does kind of fast forward things. So, wow. I just think about having like my kids, you know, I have two kids and then being 17 months old, a year and a half old. And, and hearing that, I just, I, I don't know how you handled that. And especially being pregnant. So you're like trying to figure out, first of all, you're thinking I'm about to have two kids under two. And that's been, that's like your quote crisis, which is not a crisis, but just something that your mind is trying to probably wrap around. And then you have three months or less than three months to figure out, okay, now I have this new life that I didn't know I was going to have. Yeah. Yeah. It was difficult. I think honestly, you know, I had people come and tell me how well I did in the hospital and I think I was just in shock, Yeah, Uh, but also kind of in like mama bear mode like, let me do this and let me take care of my child. And I've been telling you that something is wrong for a long time and now I feel validated. And so with that, like being validated, I think gave me what I needed to move forward and to be strong. Like, I think I kind of already knew as a mom, you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't quite right. So it wasn't like a super shocking thing. It was just like, okay, so what's the new, new, what do we do now? Right. How does this work? So what did you do? You spent the week in the hospital and then they were like, okay, we've taught you everything we can teach you go and live your life. Like what does that look like? That was terrible. Yeah, that was absolutely terrible because they send you home and you're just, you're like, I have to do what I have to do all the things like that. The nurses and doctors are supposed to do. Right. I have no training. I mean, other than just like the training for the week, which really wasn't (laughs) very (laughs) Wow. So it was so scary because with type one, you are in control of their life. So like if you give too much insulin, that can be devastating. If you Mm -hmm. don't give enough insulin, that can be devastating. You don't carb count correctly. That can be devastating. You know, there's things it can go. So it it moves so fast. The disease Mm -hmm. does especially when they're that size, because she was so little, um, that things went wrong really quickly. Um, because you you can't talk to a 17 month old and be like, here, your, you know, sugar is low. So you need this juice box or here, I need you to eat because your sugar is going low or I need to give you insulin. So that was, that was terrible because she quickly realized that every time she ate, she was getting a shot. Oh no. So then she went from, you know, like I'm eating to, I don't want to eat because I'm going to get a shot. Um, So that, that was, that was very difficult. So yeah. So those first few months were, they were amazing and, and scary at the same time because Two weeks after we left the hospital, she started walking. She grew two clothing sizes, two shoe sizes, and she learned 22 words. Wow. Yeah. Just because she was healthy. Yes, because her body was finally getting the insulin that she needed. So her body could do other things that it was compensating for, basically. Um, So we like a brand new Layla. We saw her smiling and laughing and playing. And so it was, it was bittersweet. I mean, yeah. you know, it was great to see her that way, but yeah. So this first couple months were, were very, very difficult. <laughs> I can only imagine. So you were already sleep deprived by the time you had your newborn, the, sec- the second newborn. <laughs> I was very sleep deprived. Let me tell you, because in the beginning it was glucose checks every two hours. Mm-hmm. So 
it was just like having a newborn. You yeah. had to her sugar every two hours. And then at that point, make decisions if she needed more insulin or if she needed, you know, um, sugar or whatever she needed. So, so while I was pregnant, I was still doing this. Yes. Um, and then Lindley came a second and that was, that was, <laughs> that was rough because I was trying to breastfeed, um, and take care of Layla at the same time. Yeah. So it, it got to the point where I only had an hour of downtime between each one of those. So I would uh, like breastfeed and like an hour later, I would need to do a glucose check. And then an hour later, I would need to breastfeed. And <laughs> oh my gosh. It went on like all night long. Um, so it was, it was trying, very so trying. I can imagine. It's like you were just taking little naps here and there for years. <laughs> it probably yes. felt like. Yes. And in the meantime, we were moving. So not knowing everything that was going to transpire. We just didn't know our story and when, and how the path is going to work out. Right. Yeah. So we put our house on the market in a really bad market. And they told us it would be over a year before we sold it because we decided to move closer to home to Manchester to be around our family because we you know, were going to have, you know, Layla with type one and then a newborn. Yeah. Cause you were well, living in East Tennessee at the time. Yeah. So yes. like three to four hours away. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, our house sold in three days. Oh, wow. And they wanted uh, to close when I was supposed to have Lindley. Okay. So I was like, well, we need like a little bit of time, (laughs) you know, like, yeah. So we scheduled the closing for after Lindley, the time that Lindley was supposed to be born, um, like two weeks after. Um, Little did we know that Lindley decided she was very comfortable and she was two weeks late. Oh my goodness. So it didn't two, work out. No. So two weeks in and we we need to leave our house. So we had to schedule to go to the hospital and have Lindley. Cause I was like, I'm not going home to a hotel room. No. Um, so <laughs> we got to go. Yeah. So, so I had Lindley on a Monday and then drove to Manchester on Wednesday with a newly diagnosed type one diabetic and a newborn. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like you come home from the hospital and you move like away away not just a new house new city new area of the state even though you're going home like it's still all new I yeah wow yeah yeah it was trying (laughs) yeah the very very trying time I can only imagine I remember when you found out about her diagnosis you were very open with it up front with it right away like I don't I mean I feel like you pretty much found out and you kind of started advocating right away like this is our story. This is what happened. And I remember you saying that with Layla's type one, and maybe I don't know if it's a certain diagnosis or maybe because of her age, but when she would have a low, it's like undetectable until it's dangerous. Is that like a certain diagnosis or was that age situation? Uh, Both. So she is a very frail diabetic. So her glucose swings really hard and really fast. Okay. Uh, and at that age, of course, they can't tell you like, I feel weird or I feel low. They just kind of yeah. get crampy, just like a normal toddler would get. Right. Um, they so don't was, have sentences, like all the sentences and all the words. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it was really hard to distinguish. Is she sleepy? Is she, you know, grumpy because she's hungry? Is she like normal toddler or is she having a low, which is why we were checking every two hours. Yeah. Um, that was really difficult. And then trying to force feed her whatever we could force feed her in order for her not to go low was was really, really difficult too. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened, let's see, 
I guess when we first moved to Manchester, she had a stomach virus um, mm-hmm. within the first like month or so that we were there. And that was the first time that I had to administer glucagon, which is a shot that basically keeps them alive when oh. they can't intake sugar. Wow. So she was vomiting and I was, and she was going low at the same time. I'm trying to give her, you know, juice boxes or whatever I can give her to, you know, to stop it, but she's just throwing that back up. So her system can't take any of that in. At that point, um, she was passing out, had to call 911 oh. and give her a glucagon shot in the thigh and wait for them to come. Yeah. So the toddler were terrible. I mean, it really, it was, it was very difficult to deal with a toddler at that time. Like I, yes. I, I hate, I really, really just feel for people who are diagnosed that young. Mm-hmm. I mean, really it's cause it's very difficult on the parents for sure. And I mean yeah. the kid too, but yeah, very difficult, very, very difficult. I think any parent would say, yeah, toddler years are hard because of all the things you said, even without a diagnosis of any sort, just communicating with toddlers are hard trying to figure out what they want is hard. So I can't imagine throwing in a life-threatening disease on top of that, where it does matter what she eats. It does matter how much rest she gets, because how many toddlers do we know that you set a plate down in front of them and they take one bite and you just go, well, they'll, they'll eat when they're hungry. Well, sometimes they won't, you know, if they know a shot's coming after, or if their body just feels weird and you couldn't let her have like a normal toddlerhood, you know, whereas I would have just been like, well, I guess they'll just be hungry. You couldn't do that with your child. And that's hard too, just in teaching lessons in general or trying to have like structure and discipline. A lot of that has to just go out the window because you need her to survive. Like that's the bottom line. Yes. She lived on um, waffles for about two years. Wow. Because that was the only thing that we really, like she just loved Eggo waffles. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you just couldn't talk to her and tell her any different, right? So when we need her to eat, I mean, that's what we just gave her waffles because that's all she wanted was waffles and milk. And that was, that's all she wanted. And I was like, well, I mean, it's not the best diet, but you know, we just have to make it through until yeah. we can. So know, she's reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Until she's old enough to be reasonable or at least use words to communicate and understand your words. Yes. Did you have a relationship with a nutritionist or dietitian or how does that work with diabetes? Well, where she was diagnosed in Knoxville, um, initially their care was terrible. We didn't um, realize that. Um, we were not, we were not told correctly how to take care of her, honestly. Um, and so that first portion of time was really, really difficult. Thankfully, when we moved to Manchester and we switched to Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. um, the first time that I talked to that doctor. She just looked at me and said, I cannot believe this is what you've been doing over the last little bit. She said, this is terrible. She, well, that's she terrifying. Yeah. She took my papers that I gave her and ripped them up in front of me and, and trashed them in the trash can and said, I'm about to change your life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And she did. I mean, they Vanderbilt did a wonderful job of being a little more flexible. I think Mm -hmm. Knoxville, they just weren't very flexible in the care. There was like a a book protocol that they were going by Mm -hmm. and Layla didn't fit the book because she's so little. Yeah, Uh, We were giving her too much, you know, sugar when she was having a low, just different little things that we could, that they were telling us, well, this is what you have to do. Like, this is it. So when we, when we went there, they completely changed everything. And then when we let them know that we were having issues with Layla not eating 
because mm-hmm. she realized she was getting a shot. I asked if she could possibly be put on a pump. And typically they didn't put at that at that time, that's been years ago, they didn't yeah. put kids um, on a pump that early. But she knew that I was like really serious about this. And I was like, listen, I'll do anything. Uh, you can educate me as much as you want to ed- educate me. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but I can't keep fighting this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she started pumping at her second birthday. So Wow, that soon. Yeah. I yeah. remember when she got that and you posting about it, but I didn't remember that it was so soon into your journey. Yeah, so yeah, it was amazing. Wow. Oh, it was amazing. That for the first... I mean, it was just really, really cool for her too, because she realized that the shots, you know, we only had to change sites every three days Mm -hmm. um, instead of of having shots after shot after shot every day. And so she would say, buzz, 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 buzz. And (laughs) because uh, the pump would uh, vibrate every time I would give her insulin. And I remember the first time I gave her insulin with the pump, Uh she was sitting in her high chair and she was eating and I gave her insulin like while I was sitting across the table and I just wept, I just oh. like wept because I didn't have to hurt her yeah. to give her the insulin. And like, she didn't cry. She just kind of looked at me and was yeah. like, buzz, buzz. And I was oh. like, oh, like life changing. Yeah. Just amazing. Amazing. I'm sure there was so much relief because you had stuck her so many times. I mean, that was months of how many times a day, you know, having to stick that poor baby, like nobody wants to do that, even though it's clearly what you have to do to keep her alive. But technology is such an amazing thing. And with this disease, it's so necessary. And I'm so thankful for the advances that have been made. And that's something that is a passion of yours, like fighting for that. Like we, there's, there's not a cure yet. There could be someday, but along the way, there's so so much we can do and so many advances that we can take. Mm-hmm. So you've had some partners in your advocating, which has been awesome. And you posted a lot about that when you lived in Manchester specifically, I think, um, as you were starting the journey, it, you kind of rallied around with the community. Can you talk a little bit about how your Manchester community supported you? Oh yeah. So we kind of teamed up with the Lions club in Manchester there. Um, they heard about our story, had me come in and or wanted me to come in and speak. And I told them, no, <laughs> speak in front of people. But I uh, got talked into it and shared our story about Layla's diagnosis. And they were just so taken with the story that, you know, they were like, we'd really like to join up with you and share your story, you know, and help you advocate for this um, because, their tie obviously is blindness. That's their kind of their big thing, right? Okay. And, um, diabetes is the leading cause of blindness. So that's oh. how they, and they kind of looked at us like, okay, we had this like new vision, no pun intended, <laughs> um, that we could get other, we could get younger people in and for a different reason and still working for the same cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of started like our, our, um, journey together. Once I spoke once, it just, it was a snowball effect. We spoke at uh, different clubs around the area in Manchester and um, uh, Minville and those kind of areas. Mm -hmm. Once I did that, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. We spoke for the Tennessee State Lions Convention. Mm -hmm. It was the first kind of big one that we did. And then once we did that, we started reaching other places and other people. So we kind of traveled all over the state of Tennessee. Wow. 
doing that, which was amazing because Layla was speaking too. So she started oh. speaking when she was about two. She would just sing songs and answer questions at that point. But she, she probably had no fear. No fear no, of that. <laughs> one fear, um, and everybody just was, you know, was so welcoming and so loving. And it was so therapeutic for me to be able to tell our story mm-hmm. um, and to be able to help people. So as I'm doing this, I'm sharing things on Facebook. Obviously, I'm sharing, you know, what we're our journey and everything. So I was asked to speak at the JDRF, which is the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it was their summer soiree, which is the big event of the year where they bring in people, you know, to make donations and to raise money to help find a, a cure. And so you're like, like the keynote speaker? Yes. Whoa. So like asked to speak and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was in Murfreesboro. So we did get to speak for JDRF um, that night, a very fancy occasion. It was uh, it was really, it was a lot of fun. Again, like I said, I was sharing on Facebook and stuff. And what I found interesting was um, I had not one, but multiple people hit, reach out to me on Facebook uh, Messenger because I, I wasn't friends with them. It'd be like somebody from like a different state. I remember one of them was from Texas. I do remember that specifically. Wow. And they would say, you know, you don't know who I am, but I just want to let you know that because you shared your story, I was able to, you know, save my child or I was able to, this specific one was, I was able to share your story with my friend and it saved her son's life. Wow. Um, she was struggling with the same thing. So that just kind of like fueled my fire because I thought, oh my gosh, if I can save even just one Mm-hmm. child from this mm-hmm. like what a gift yeah. like that's, you know to do something that I love to do and to that benefits Layla as well but then can like like hopefully help other people was just yeah. mind-blowing to me um and so um we continued speaking and then Lions Club International reached out to us prior to us moving down here to Florida And so we've caught wind of your story and we would really like to do a video about you and your family. And so they sent a film crew to our house and um, took a few days and and did a little short kind of thing and released that worldwide, which was just crazy. They dubbed it languages and um, just just sharing our story. So that was really cool. And then once that happened, then Lions Club International came back. And said, uh, we would like for you to speak at the United Nations meeting with Lions Club International. They do that once a year. And it's kind of like showing their focus for the year mm-hmm. and getting the United Nations on board with what they're doing, too. Mm-hmm. And so we spoke in New York for that. And then that led to us speaking for the Lions Club International um, meeting that was that year was in Las Vegas. Wow. Um, spoke at MGM Grand. And there was. I think there was like a hundred thousand people in the audience. Whoa. <laughs> like crazy. It was like a crazy amount of people. It was in MDM grand, you know, like where like Elton John has sang on the stage. It was yeah. like huge, like um, huge auditorium theater. Wow. Yes. Um, so we spoke there again. So it like, it's, it's just such a cool journey to be able to share that with Layla and Lindley because Lindley would go with us too. Yeah. So we've gotten to like travel and meet other people and share our story. And everyone just seems to be so open and like welcoming of our story. That's what's so cool because we just feel so loved. Like when we do these speaking engagements, it's Mm -hmm. just 
you know, I think sometimes we lose perspective in life. And I think when you hear, you know, what someone's going through, what someone has been through, I think it kind of just stops you for a second and kind of makes you thankful, you know, for like, your life, you know, maybe my, maybe my life isn't so bad. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cause like, cause that's what I heard a lot was like, wow, I can't believe you do this. And you just, you just keep going and keep going. And it's like, well, what else would I do? Like, I'm not going to just lay down and take this. This is like, yeah. this is my shin. Like this is, this was given to me for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And this I feel like is part of my purpose mm-hmm. is to get out there and to share our, you know, story and to help other people. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I just think it's such a cool thing that we got to do. Just so amazing. Yes. You have been, that's what I remember seeing, especially the United Nations meeting. I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I know her. Like, <laughs> you're like famous getting up there on TV and stuff. And I loved when you would post all the things on your Facebook so we could go back and watch you and you always presented it so well. And Layla always had her little part and is always so stinking cute. And I do appreciate what you said that you're stories change the world. Stories matter. Like what you go through matters and not everyone's story is going to look like yours, but you can use your story to encourage other people. And like you said, this disease looks different for different people, different ages or different symptoms. But when someone hears what you have to say, and maybe their child is going through something odd, at least it's something that they can investigate and, and then sometimes unfortunately end up with a diagnosis of that. And I think that being your purpose of, listen, I'm going to tell this story as much as people will listen, because also you don't want Layla to feel insecure about this disease that God gave her because she can't do anything about it except for walk through it. And so I think you're being a beautiful example to her of, look, this is what we have and this is how we're going to do it. And it's funny to me, not funny to me, but it's interesting to me that your degree and your career before you were a wife and a mom was social work, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that is your life's mission is to help other people. Cause that's exactly what social workers do. That job is hard and uh, you don't get paid anything. (laughs) That's why, that's why I became a stay at home mom. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, well, the pay is about the same. So (laughs) it's not that bad, but like, that's always been your life's mission. And so God gave you this precious child because he knew that you weren't going to give up on her, that you were going to fight and fight and search and search and do everything you could to give her the best childhood possible and to give your family the best life possible. Because this disease doesn't just affect Amy and Layla. Amy has a husband and Layla has a dad and Amy has a second child and Layla has a sister. So from that perspective, like for Lindley, this has been Lindley's whole life. And this has been Layla's whole life because they're so close in age. How do you think, I know you can't speak for Lindley, but just how do you observe that she does that sister role with a big sister who has this illness? Fortunately, Lindley is a mini me. Um, (laughs) She always has been. She is like, it's, it's so cool to watch how she kind of stepped back from the limelight during all of like, you know, we do speaking engagements or when people want to talk to Layla because she's the one who has, you know, type one. Right. Lynn never acted jealous ever, ever. She's so compassionate hmm. and like, will talk to you just like I can talk to you. She can mm-hmm. tell you Layla's story. She can tell you anything about diabetes and she's always there for Layla. And like, she's okay with that. Like mm-hmm. it's, 
it's kind of odd because you don't find that a lot. I feel like with a yeah. sibling being that close um, in age, she's always just been like so caring and yeah. so supportive of everything. Like uh, it's it, it amazes me. She's she, amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, growing up, going like being around adults a lot too. You know, I think that kind of helped because she's like so good at speaking. She like watched, you know, me mm-hmm. so much. And then I always tried to make sure that they had a part in it. What I mean, it didn't, ha- they didn't have to talk about diabetes, but at least just have some kind of part in it. Yeah. And as they got older, they just got better and better. And, and so I think, you know, Lindley feels bad for Layla, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense that Layla has to deal with this and that she doesn't. Um, and she just has a lot of compassion. Like I can totally see her being some like a nurse or a, just something that gives back to like the yeah. community in some way, because that's her heart. Like she loves that. Um, and she also loves to talk about diabetes. Like <laughs> loves. Um, she's an advocate too. She really is because we had, um, we spoke just a few years ago, actually, we spoke again for the Tennessee uh, state convention for Lions club. They wanted us to come back and because they wanted to see the girls uh, as they had gotten older and everything. Uh-huh. And so I did um, like a question and answer session for them so mm-hmm. that like people in the audience could just ask questions to them specifically. And Layla, Layla and Lindley both amazed me, but Lindley just amazed me with her answers. People were so floored Aww. that she was just so, I don't know, she just articulate and just yeah. knows so much. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I mean, I'm so thankful that she's never... I don't, I don't think she's ever said anything negative about it. You know, mm-hmm. with Lindsay, I think it's because too, that she's always seen Layla and she sees the side of Layla that not everybody gets to see. So yeah. she sees the struggles. She mm-hmm. sees the days where Layla cries because she doesn't want this anymore. And yeah. you know, is asking, why is it me? And why do I have to do with this? And she's, you know, seen her, you know, almost pass out. She's, you know, she just sees the ugly side mm-hmm. that not everybody gets to see. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that's just like made her have a completely different perspective on life, you yeah. know, like really thankful for, yeah. for everything and just like want to help people as much as she can because Aww. she's able to, you know, Yeah, that's so sweet. I mean, I think sibling rivalry is normal and especially when you have two girls that are so close in age and I'm sure they deal with that on a level that doesn't have to do with diabetes, just like living sister life in general, but for that to not bleed over into this huge thing that is a part of your family, like this literally controls your life in a lot of ways. And for her Mm -hmm. not to be resentful of that and for you not to be resentful of that, like that y'all just take it in stride. And it's like, this is what it is. It doesn't mean we can't be sad about it today. It doesn't mean we can't grieve it sometimes or grief for the the quote normal life that we wish we could have but mm-hmm. you leave room for that and I can see that in your post on Facebook because you're you're raw sometimes in your posts like okay. it's been real hard you know like you don't like make it all pretty and shiny you're no. tell the truth yeah yeah no because I think that's super important especially for someone on the outside to see that that you know, we do have bad days. We mm-hmm. have terrible days. We have days where we just want to sit in our feelings. Right. Yeah. And I want to make sure that like, 
you know, specifically Layla, but Lindley too, of course, both, both kids, but specifically Layla, I want her to know that it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to kind of feel sorry for yourself in a moment or to just kind of have like an off day and to kind of sit in those feelings and acknowledge those feelings Mm -hmm. and that those are all valid feelings, all completely valid, but we just don't sit in them. We don't right. waller them. Like, that's why I tell her. You can sit in them for a bit, but you can't waller in them. <laughs> because your life is too good. We have too many things to be thankful for. And, you know, we have a beautiful family and a beautiful mm-hmm. life. And, you know, although that does kind of dictate our life, we're not going to allow that to completely take over, you know? Right. And so, and I think that's important with all kids. I mean, just give them the opportunity to have those feelings and to be like, you know what? What you're feeling is totally okay. And yeah. that's t- you know, um, let's not sweep it under the rug. Let's right. like, get it. So, um, so I think that's super, I think that's super, super important. Yeah. You've done such a beautiful job of that. So what can you say to our listeners who are maybe dealing with a, a difficult situation, whether it be dealing with T1 for themselves or for a child or just any type of diagnosis or, you know, there's different learning delays that people deal with with their kids. I think it's hard to walk through difficulty with our kids because when we're pregnant, if you get that, if you have that ability to be pregnant and have kids, then you have this like thought in your head, or even if you're in an adoption process, like you have this thought in your head of what your family's going to look like, what your kids are going to be like and mm-hmm. how life is going to go. So when something comes in and just completely disrupts that, like what, what do you hold on to? What's your hope? Like, how do you, how do you have the attitude that you have of we're just going to march forward into the next day? Because I know you have bad days where you don't want to feel like that. So where do you go for like, what's your inspiration? I guess, how, how can you encourage others? My kids? Um, I mean, that's just, you know, I've always wanted to be a mom. And so, you know, I'm kind of thankful that like, in a way that I was chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you were. It's, she's your gift. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, not, I, you know, and I, t- I talk to Layla about this a lot. You know, I'm like, think about a child who is going through something similar, whether it be type one or whatever, but maybe they don't have a mom, you mm. know, or they don't have like a mom that can be as involved, right. you know? And how, like, how lucky I am that, like, you know, we live a life where I can basically just do everything Mm -hmm. for her and make sure that she's, like, emotionally equipped. You know what I mean? Um, And, you know, I've found that, especially with social media, there's such, it's so easy to find a group of people that yeah. are dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with. Um, so that's one of the beautiful things about Facebook. I know it's, yeah. you know, it's not all beautiful, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But there is community there. Yeah, there's groups of people, you know, I remember when she was little, uh, there's a group called Diapers and Diabetes. Oh, Literally, what is the group's name? Wow. And it's just so nice to be in there and to know that other people were doing, you know, dealing with the things that you're dealing with and then to have the newcomers in it, you know, come in mm-hmm. and just kind of welcome them with open arms and just show our love and our support and mm-hmm. reach out to people and make sure they're okay. And I think that's just so super important to find someone who is walking that similar path yeah. as you are. I, I think that's super, super important yeah. because unfortunately, like, you know, it's not that our family hasn't been supportive because they have, mm-hmm. but they don't get it. 
And yeah. that's hard, especially as the one walking through it um, mm-hmm. to try to explain things is kind of difficult uh, yeah. because you feel like they just, they're just not understanding. Yeah. And it's exhausting. Um, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I think that's super important. Find those support groups. And I think, honestly, I think once I do finish homeschooling the girls, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably going to be my next mission is to probably volunteer to help newly diagnosed kids here in our area because yeah. we have um, her endocrinologist is at the children's hospital here uh-huh. and it's about 30 minutes away. And I told my husband, I said, how cool. Like I would love to help newly diagnosed people kind of get going and yes. know that they have a sounding board or, you know, just someone to ask questions yeah. or just give them that support that they need. Like um, not that- on a medical level, like on a, look, I've walked this every day level. Yeah. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that, to that next chapter. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that you already have a plan. Like that's just so you like, okay, well, who's the next person I can help and what's the next thing I can do. And you have been so gracious to share your time with us. And I know the people listening are, um, you've brought everyone to tears a time or two, uh, because this is a very sensitive topic when we're talking about our kids and something that's hurting them or something that we wouldn't want for them, but they have anyway, and you just handle it with such grace and you have shared your story so beautifully. So I just thank you for taking the time to do that. Is there anything that, um, we didn't talk about that you feel like is important to mention before we close? I don't think so. I mean, I think we I think we covered everything. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. just so thankful that you gave me the opportunity to come on and, and to yeah. share our story again. We haven't got to do it in a little while. We've been so busy with homeschooling and, yes. you know, life. Um, yeah. As they get older, they get more involved in things, don't they? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's always so nice to have an opportunity to, you know, to speak and, and to have that, you know, to be able to advocate. It's just yeah. so important. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. I sure do appreciate your time and listener. I hope you've enjoyed this show and don't forget to share it with a friend. Bye everybody. Bye. That's all for this episode with Amy. What a journey and what an incredible story her family has to share. Such a beautiful testimony of strength through that journey. Be sure to listen to our bonus banter episode as Tiff and I discuss our thoughts on this episode. Thank you for listening.